you by McQuano Coffee Roasters, McQuanoCoffee.com. Coming to you live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Press Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Clock and Zachary Bartles. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio, on time, <laughs> consistently <laughs> by my good friend, my partner in doing very consistent, predictable radio, Zachary Bartles. Iceman, Baby, Power Zach. Yeah, Iceman, Power Zach. This rain is a baptism. And, <laughs> You've got um, a baptism. You've got like a like a hardcore, like violent baptism from the sounds of it. I do, dude. I have like Lloyd Dobler-esque rain going on in the background, and uh, it makes me think of Lloyd. It makes me think of Lloyd in that little uh, phone booth, and um, you know he's just been broken up with. But far from that, like <laughs> we, far from that, we have just like come together, like in the in the last month or so. We, I mean, we've always been together, but uh, to do like just massive amounts of radio. How long do you think that'll I last, love- man? Not that long, right? Yeah, yeah. How long do you think that'll last? Exactly. Dude, I I take those questions, which I get from time to time from people. I use them. I use them as fuel, dude. (laughs) That just just fuels my fire. And um, I love doing gut check radio. Zach, I love doing gut check Patreon only radio. And true to form, I got to tell you, we have done some of our best radio for the 20 to 25 people who support us via Patreon. I don't know what it is about like kind of the short format, maybe the pressure's off. We're letting our hair down a little yeah. bit in the, in the Gut Check Patreon-only studios, and we've, we've made some radio magic in that context. Yeah, and you know, it, it part of it kind of annoys me that everyone's not hearing this stuff, and then I remind myself, yeah. buddy, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve yeah, it. they could be. Uh, if, they, if they paid four bucks, they'd deserve it. I want to know if there's yeah. anybody who thinks that they're a member of the Gut Check Army who pays eight bucks for the little check from Elon but doesn't pay four to hear the other half of the Gut Check podcast. We should have a little check called the Gut Check. Oh! And uh, it it could be something that they could post on their their stupid Twitter bio that that (laughs) indicates that not only do they have the blue check from Elon, they have the $4 Gut Check from us. Oh, dude, is there like a um, boxing glove emoji? There's got to be one. I've got. I've got to think there is one. I have no idea, but uh, I, I bet there is, and I bet we could. We could make a little check in it um, <laughs> that, that we could that we could then sell for four bucks. I mean, it's it's capitalism, right? I mean, this is the free market. Like he has a blue check for eight bucks. We have a a little boxing glove one for four bucks. I'm gonna make it, and it's just gonna be part of yeah. It's gonna be part of the the gut check base Patreon package. I love it, dude. The base package. Hey, listen for four bucks. All the value that they get, um, and I want to talk about another thing that we're gonna that we're gonna offer to them on on Patreon. And we haven't discussed this, but it's a it's a pivot. It's a little bit of a um, a radio transition into a movie thing that I want to talk about. Okay, um, this is a movie that you're just more conversant in movies than me, so you've probably seen this. And I had I'm ashamed to say I had never seen the movie White Christmas. Before this Christmas. Me neither. I watched um, it this Christmas, dude. Did you really? It was on Netflix. Oh and I was like, how have I not seen this? It's a classic. It's amazing. So we watched White Christmas and I fully expected to be bored to death. Right. Um, it came out in 1954. It stars um, 
Shoot, dude, who's the main guy? I, Dean I wrote, Martin I, and <laughs> Danny, Danny friggin' K. K. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's it's not to well actually you. It's not Dean Martin. It's uh, it's Bing Crosby. Bing right? Crosby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Bing Crosby, Danny Kay, Rosemary Clooney, who's George Clooney's aunt. Um, and I go into this thing fully expecting to be bored to death, and rather I'm completely drawn in. I'm completely charmed by the like 1950sness of it. Um, it it scans as really corny. But it was actually to me like a really thoughtful movie, and I wanna I wanna talk about a thing that I wrote about. So I've I've got this column writing gig which pays really well, but sometimes they don't use my columns and they end up on Patreon. And we've got <laughs> I like how open you are about that. <laughs> no, I'm open, dude. I, hey, listen, with our patrons, there's no secrets either. Yes, there's no yes. rules and no boundaries. You're let right? into the circle of trust. Yeah, you're in, dude, and and you hear everything about how everything. The boxing works. ring of trust. The boxing ring of trust. That's right. But there was a there was a conversation, and this is what I want to talk about with you, vis-a-vis White Christmas. But I also want to hear before I get into this specific thing. Did did you like the movie? Like, what were your impressions of the movie? Well, it was more or less what I, I realized. I'd probably seen a third of it in clips yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'd seen all the like really impressive dancing and stuff. I'm so surprised mm-hmm. you like it because you're not a fan of musicals. Correct. And um, it, for me, this was even a little bit a little bit on the edge of, of what I would normally like. Yeah. I, I, I liked it okay. I didn't love it. And I think the main yeah. thing was I was really, really wanting a Christmas movie when I watched it. Yeah, and like yeah, the yeah. first 20 seconds and the last 20 seconds are like, yeah, it's called White Christmas. It only snows like literally as the, the thing's fading out at the end. Yeah, during like the, the, the final credit sequence, you get a little snow. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's weird. And yeah, like a third of it takes place in Miami, which is like the least Christmassy place on on earth literally more wow. nazi bombs fall from the sky than snowflakes than in this snowflakes movie. yeah exactly <laughs> although so, that, that opening sequence in the trenches and stuff oh that really i mean so right off the bat you get a little choked up dude the, yeah that was sick and where they make they make the song about the old general which i love the old general so my take on this movie is that it's really a movie about like vocation and friendship and there was a conversation that took place in the first act and this is what i wrote about and basically what happens, like just thumbnail wise, one of the characters, so like the Bing Crosby character um, has his life saved on the battlefield. And I'm putting that in air quotes and I realize we're on the radio and no one can see it. But um, <laughs> Hans Booby. Hans Booby. So uh, Danny Kaye's character saves his life, which means he pulls him out of the way of like a handful of bricks falling from like the height of... <laughs> Six feet. Right. He and saved him from a, a boo-boo on the head. Yeah. Yeah. He saved him from like concussion protocol for a week or whatever. But um, at any rate, he quote unquote saves his life. And then Danny Kaye's character, who is also a singer. So Bing Crosby's character is like a famous singer. And they're both on the battlefield together. And Danny Kaye, like he would like to be famous. So he leverages the fact that he quote unquote saved this person's life in order to like basically get a foothold in the music industry. And they end up staging the show together that becomes wildly successful. And Danny Kay becomes famous because of it. And when Bing Crosby's character meets Rosemary Clooney's character, they have this conversation about the scumbaggy way that in the media business, everybody uses everybody else. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the line, the line is the line that he uses. And I loved it is everybody's got a little larceny in them. <laughs> and he's he's jaded, right? Like yeah. he's completely jaded and burned out. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
That you didn't hits, expect dude. that, did you? From White Christmas? No, you don't. And it ends up being like a really thoughtful movie, and and the movie never answers the question: Is Danny Kaye's character a careerist scumbag? Um, and the movie does a whole bunch of other things, like it gets various people together romantically, and and you get that like that real great payoff in the third act where they end up honoring their general, and that's amazing. But like, it never really deals with. You know, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye's relationship, you know, about how they he they leveraged each other. And I just thought it was fascinating. And uh, I wondered if, if like that did anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was kind of the heart of the movie for me. Um, yeah. What I was expecting was basically like the the romantic storyline to to take over, and yeah. you know, for there to be this like, well, see, the lives of two people, kind of, you know, like that yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of deal, which I like too. But yeah. yeah, it was a it was an interesting left turn from what I expected. Um, I I liked the whole notion of them being sort of snowed in by no snow. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that the yes. whole place is deserted because there's not snow and it's not going to yes, be a white I Christmas. Love that. And, oh, and they're charming! All alone there. I lo- in fact I use this um, uh, the the song about counting your blessings is a little sermon intro just there a couple go, weeks solid. ago. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you know we both have insomnia sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I tried have- doing that. I tried counting my blessings. I was like, just count your blessings, like like in that yeah. movie. You know what happened, yeah. Ted? Uh, you didn't go to sleep. I got that song in my head, that hymn. Count yeah. your blessings, cut them one by one. Count mm-hmm. your blessings, see what God has done. And, I was, and then <laughs> I really couldn't sleep, and I was just like punching my pillow. Like, get, now I have a song right. in my head. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah. all uh, digression. I, I think that... Um, I find that counting a prescription pill out and then taking it is the one thing that sort of... <laughs> count your ambient, count them one by one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, of course, I told you what happened when I got on ambient. I became a, a, such an addict that there was a point where I was like Bradley Coopering like my finger yeah, on dude, the inside. You're like rub, rubbing it on your gums. You know? <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. Actually, I poured water into it, shook it, and, and drank the, the ambient dust water. Oh uh, so, yeah, I, could, I had to get off that. But yeah. uh, I, I, do love, I do love that kind of movie. I do love yeah. that the reminder that movies from decades ago aren't all like hokey dumb right. singing in the Inch rain deep. type movies yeah, right yeah, yeah. that yeah, there exactly. are thoughtful movies and and that the people who were the the big artists of the day were thoughtful people and 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 yeah. wanted to make maybe they felt hamstrung a little bit by the expectations of yeah. society at the time but wanted to make thoughtful movies that were outside of the mold yeah 100 percent, dude and it, it occurred to me that someone who had been burned in the media industry probably wrote the script and mm-hmm. was tired of being leveraged and and it, and it charmed me on that level and it, of course, it reminded me of Christian media and the super scumbaggy way that everybody's like, you know, very boldly and nakedly like using each other all over social media all the live long day. And how like <laughs> Carl, Carl Truman has been sounding warning bells about this for years. And everybody's like, hold my single origin cold brew while I continue to do this at a breakneck pace. Like it's my job, you know, and like no one's no because one's I sort of think of it as my job because I sort of treat it as my job. Yes. Twitter is my job and my um, podcast that I have yes. with somebody. It's just like a slice above me, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I found somebody who's a slice above me who will say yes. Who I can have a podcast. Listen, with. I got to go to work. You know yeah, what? Yeah. Ted, that's what's so great about yeah. having a fake company. And yeah. being open about it. Yeah, dude. No, you're my work friend, but you're also my real friend. Yeah, and, and also uh, this isn't our job because we would die of hunger. 
Exactly. Although less so now. Yes, true. Uh, because true. 20, 2023 is the year of monetizing the Gut Check podcast. Uh, random, uh, randomly, after literally, what? After a, after yeah, four, a decade plus. 13 years uh, of yeah, po- yeah. Gut Check, we decided to monetize it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It was a slow burn. They say about a lot of companies, it takes a little while to be profitable. And for us, it took a little while to even think about being profitable. But uh, here we are, low these many months later. Sold out. And Just yeah, sold, sold out. right out. Sold out to the man, the corporate capitalistic greed machine. Um, <laughs> this is the year of like Gordon Gecko for us in, uh, in this country. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see where it goes. I can't wait to see how we monetize this. If you are listening to this and you have a company that would like to partner with our fake company in business. <laughs> but your, um, your company has to be real. Let's be straight. Yeah, yeah to, to be clear, these are the parameters of the deal, right? <laughs> you use a gun, I use a fountain pen. Your company has to be real. Ours will continue to be fake. Dude, your laugh sounds like Ellis's laugh in, uh, in, that, in that moment. But um, no, we. This is the year of monetizing gut check, and uh, we have a little larceny in us, as it turns out. And, um, it's gonna be. It's gonna be enjoyable and lucrative for us. Um, <laughs> we have a little larceny in us. Yeah, come take absolutely. part. You know what? Why don't Why don't we uh, kind of commingle our larcenies together? Let's Let's commingle. Let's your real our company larceny, our fake company larceny. Absolutely. Your real money. Yeah, your real money, our theoretical money. No, we have some real money too in this company. We, oh we yeah, we do. But, That's the uh, funny part. I think we now. Here's the here's the funny thing about this. We yeah. decided, like, you know, there's way way more things we could do uh, to monetize Gut Check. We just have to start doing things we've always mocked. And yeah. and at the same time, we never had the talk. You know, like a couple, a family, a household. They have to realize there's <laughs> yeah. the income side and the outgo side, and yeah, and yeah. often. People are like, "Oh gosh, we're not making enough money." And really, what they need to do yeah. is stop and say, "What are we? What are we spending our money on?" We never had that conversation. We were never like, no. "So four times a year, we buy more <laughs> steak and cigars, and you know, like <laughs> blow out Hotel massive rooms dinners." And, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Airbnbs. You rest know. of the year, we're just like, yeah. "Oh, this doesn't make any money." <laughs> Yeah, exactly, dude. We're like a we're like a financially dysfunctional married couple. And after <laughs> we're thir- the blues. Af- yeah, after thirteen years, we finally like, dude. We we had that little talk that you have in a marriage where like uh, one of you comes to the other and is like, hey, you know what? We really need to we need to we need to sit down and like talk about the budget. And yeah, we need to start like, listening oh, to Dave Ramsey. Son of a b, dude. Let's go to dinner. <laughs> let's make it fun. But it's gonna be miserable. But we'll try to make it fun, you know, and like. We go, we go, we go and have a little din din and like somebody brings like their spreadsheets and it's kind of a drag, you know, but and it's you, really passive aggressive. Like you spend too much on wine. Oh yeah. What yeah, about yeah. your cigars? Oh exactly. yeah. What about your snowmobile? The insurance yeah. alone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then, but though you're driving home from that little meeting and you're like, you know what? I feel better. I feel, I feel f- that was freeing. That wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And, but Ted, uh, we're never going to have that meeting. We're going to keep on blowing the money on snowmobile insurance, wine, and exactly. cigars, so to speak. Exactly. No, we are. Well, and the answer to it is we're just going to make more money. And um, yeah, yeah. Supply side economics. Supply side economics, dude. Yeah, which I don't know what that means, but I'm really like I really agree that it sounds impressive. So um, that's what we're going to do, and uh, I'm committed to it. All right. Speaking of economics and a piece of media that did make a lot of money that we both consumed over the holidays, the Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion. Um, You watched it last night. You sent me a text about it. 
And uh, I watched it not too long ago as well. And uh, I want to know I want to know your thoughts on it because I had, I had a few thoughts. Well, I know that I liked the first one a lot more than you did because I, I like yeah. raved about it and you were like, eh, it was all right. Yeah. yeah. I am an absolute sucker for whodunit type stuff. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, you I, like I that, love that. And I know for yeah. you, it's just like I could take yeah, or leave it. It's fine. I thought that it wasn't as good as the first one. The okay. The island kind of setting wasn't as good as the kind of claustrophobic, um, I mean, enormous, but still stuck in yeah, this yeah. house. Uh, and Dude, that house was sick, by the way. Yeah. The house from the first one. Yeah. Great, great cast, though. I hadn't seen Edward Norton in ages, and he is just as great as ever, if not better. I, Dude, I love the little like twist that they did with his character, too, of like, can we say it? Spoiler alert right me. now. I want you to skip ahead, uh, what, Ted? Three minutes, if... Uh, Three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the, the pivot of like him actually being stupid and vapid yes. and like his made up words as being sort of a tell of, <laughs> oh my gosh, this guy's an idiot. Um, <laughs> and you I barely noticed that. it at first. You're like, is that really yeah. the right way to use that? Yeah, it must yeah, be. Yeah, this yeah. guy's saying it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so fun. I think it's more was, and more flagrant. <laughs> yeah, that was so creative, dude. I, I loved it. And I'm with you. I enjoyed Edward Norton. Really enjoyed the Kate Hudson thing. She, where's she it, been, too? She she came back. Yeah. And I love Catherine Hahn. I'm, I'm, I don't yeah. think there's a bigger fan of Catherine Hahn than me. Catherine Hahn's in her Apex Mountain right now. Like, she's in everything right now. Dude, and um, she's worked for it. She was in she has, uh, yeah. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days with, with Kate Hudson in 2003. Like, she's yeah. been slowly building this career. Now she's everywhere. Well, dude, she started as sort of the sidekicky, almost the like off-brand Joan Cusack. You know what I mean? Like, right, you or Janine Garofalo. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You you would get her, and now she's sort of ascended to like the top of that mountain. Like, if you need that sort of woman in your movie, it's it's always Catherine Hahn. Did you watch and, uh, all the Romanoffs? Uh, I we watch most of them, dude. But it's been it's been a few years, honestly. Actually, I don't know that I could. The one she's in, probably you skipped because it probably would have been too stressful to watch. They go to Russia to adopt a baby. Totally um, skipped it. Yeah. Totally, totally skipped it. It, it yeah. was hard to watch. And I remember, we, yeah. I remember. I think Aaron even said, I'm going to tell Kristen maybe she doesn't want to watch this one. Because I'm sure some yeah, of the stressful that. stuff that happened to them happened to you yeah. guys uh, in yeah. Ukraine. But uh, she was amazing as a dramatic actress. She's not just funny. I mean, she, I mean, yeah. she was really good. No, she's really talented. He, here was my issue with Knives Out, and I want to know if you felt the same way. And this is a, a commentary on that movie specifically, but like kind of all movies right now. I feel like they're all a half hour too long. I feel like everybody's making their movie be two and a half hours when it should really be a two-hour movie. I feel like, I feel like Glass Onion, the, the cast was too big by like three to four people. And it was, they were just trying to get touches and opportunities for too many people and it got a little unwieldy i wished it was a half hour shorter your thoughts uh no i've been waiting for years and years for movies to be two and a half to three hours long i feel really? cheated if a movie's an hour 40 or something i yeah. whenever i watch the deleted scenes on a dvd i'm like you should have left two-thirds of these in your movie was too short anyway i ted i think i have a much longer attention span for things like that than most people um, i think you're right yeah, that is that is a true statement. And and I really love the the really long. I, I I think at this point, I don't know. Like, if they would have made Glass Onion a streaming series and it would have been ten hours long, I bet yeah. you wouldn't have thought it was too long because they would have probably added some more, you know, uh, 
subplots and things to it. It may, I don't know. Yeah. The, the whole idea of, and again, uh, if you accidentally landed here and you haven't seen Glass Onion, mm. skip again because uh, yeah. it's spoilers. Um, the whole idea of Yo-Yo Ma near the beginning explaining what a fugue is, like it's it's a yeah. you layer the melody on top of itself and you get different things, and then the plot yeah. does that, and they yeah. go back and show you. For me, I'm like, they could do that three, four more times, and I don't think I'd get bored. Like, you could keep on adding new elements and replaying the same scenarios and showing yeah. new aspects and POVs. I love that kind of thing. Well, what's interesting is that they are releasing it basically like a 10-episode Netflix series, in that, like, Benoit Blanc is going to be the only reoccurring character. Right. But they And they've got a really good model. You can just keep dropping him into cool-looking locations and basically do the same thing until people get tired of it, which, you know... I, I would watch two more of these and you would probably watch five more of them. Um, but either way, it's like I enjoyed the movie enough to watch it and to want to watch another one. Like when they when they drop another one, I'll, I'll be in on it for sure. Um, like, who would you who would you cut from the cast? Like if you had to do like cast cut downs and lose a couple of them, who would you who would you get rid of? Honestly, I feel like uh, even though I like him a lot, the guy who yeah. is uh, Aaron Burr. Sir on uh, Hamilton, what's his name? It's a cool name. Never saw it. Uh, the guy who was like the the tech guy, who the black oh, guy. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. They, you they, can't they... say the black guy, but the black guy. Yeah, <laughs> they underused him. He, he he's yeah. a great actor. He's incredible. I, I would get rid of him because they underused him, and because he was just in that Agatha Christie uh, um, Death on the Nile. And he played Dude, essentially the same role there. Like, uh, look yeah. at me, I'm so boring, more boring than you'd expect. Maybe I'm the killer. And yeah. and then he just kind of went nowhere. And it's like this this is a like a award-winning stage and cinema actor with chops that you're just kind of dumping out there. Dude, all right. I'm glad you said that because his character had of all of them, I think the most like meat on the bone in terms of he worked the most closely with Edward Norton. So they could have done they could have done a lot there with that character. Yeah. They just didn't do anything with him. But um Death on the Nile, dude, I turned it off after thirty minutes. Oh, I, I love that one. I'm an Agatha yeah. Christie junkie, dude. I'm so I already knew the the whole story, but I I I did love that one. Dude, my issue with it was that it took him like forty five minutes to even like get onto the Nile. I'm like, get to the <laughs> Nile already, you know. But but um, but weren't we just talking about how much we like slow moving movies? Dude, we are, but like I, th I think the difference is you just like who done it, and I could could kind of take or leave who done it as a as a right. setup. Yeah, if if they um, were just like getting ready for the this trip and showing aspects of that, maybe you'd have been yeah. more into it and drawing out their characters and yeah, like the the most interesting parts of Knives Out were the character parts. Like the okay, so the whole aspect of they were all friends at this bar called the Glass Onion, and they were all basically idiots except for one of them. Um, that part to me was way more interesting than like who got killed. And who the, yeah, they killed. could have done flashbacks to that throughout yeah. and slowly yeah. revealed things that way uh, to, yeah. to the time when clearly uh, Edward Norton was trying to be Tom Cruise in Magnolia with the hair and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before he was trying to be, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, good grief, not Bill Gates. Uh, the guy I'm picturing. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that, that, that was, you're right, that was a lost opportunity and that could have been more like interesting character dynamic stuff yeah. Uh, rather than plot contrivance of who drove where when, but that's what you need yeah. for a whodunit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Another guy I would have cut from that cast, Stephen yeah. Sondheim, dude. He he barely added anything to it. And Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I'm being stupid. They were on the Zoom call playing Among Us with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also. Um, yeah, yeah, and Natasha Leon, who I was just talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, Kareem no. Abdul. What a weird uh, like group of people they decided to make his like friend group. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I yeah, no, that was super funny. Um, I would have cut the weird fifteen minutes of like COVID acknowledgement. Like nobody wants to have that experience in a movie. It's just not fun. I don't know. I thought that I was. I was like, they better not do this the whole time. And as soon as yeah. Ethan Hawke came out of nowhere, Mister Nineties, and like yeah. zapped them all with like, what, what, they didn't even acknowledge. Like, is this a, a vaccine? Is it a cure? Is it yeah, temporary? Yeah. But like, just you're good. I was like, okay, yeah. you know what? That was worth it. We're not going to see any more masks. And and yeah. the fact that you know you do meet these characters like we have been for a couple of years right. now, based on their approach to COVID. The, the yeah, guy who's got true. the N95 and won't hug anyone, the lady who's got the yeah. mesh mask and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and the the, yeah. the the politician who like, if no one's looking, she lets it slide down and then she pushes it up yeah. when someone's looking. I, I felt like they did enough of it, but any more yeah. would have been too much. Dude, you're, you're right. It actually does reveal things about their characters. And, and yeah, they took you right up to the limit of, all right, this is going to be insufferable if they do one more minute of this, mm -hmm. but. And maybe they um, went a little too long with it, honestly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, the like the two and a half hour thing, um, I don't know. I thought it could have been a little tighter. I would have cut, um, let's see, who would I cut? Your cuts were good. I feel like Kate Hudson's assistant, I yeah. kept waiting for them to do something with her, like, you know, they're lovers or like she has some information or something, but like that character just didn't go anywhere or contribute anything. I think she had to be there in order for Kate Hudson's character to contribute anything because she was so dumb she couldn't put two and two together. But yeah, they could have come true. up with she better was, ways to do it. Yeah. She was sort of the interpreter for Kate Hudson being yeah. so stupid. Um, yeah, Catherine Hahn, no. Uh, Dave Batista's character, you kind of needed him. I, I actually liked him. And I, I liked yeah. him more and more in things I've seen. He's another uh, athlete-turned-actor. Um, yeah, dude, you're right, yeah. And kind of an unlikely one. Yeah, but, but not too bad. Yeah, in your DraftKings of what athlete turned actor is going to have like a more than a two movie run, you know, nobody would have taken him. But he's, yeah, he's pretty good. What about the guy who uh, is in all of his movies? Um, all of uh, Ryan, um, is it Ryan Johnson? What is it? Ryan? Yeah, I think so. Um, the guy who's in all of the like Ryan Johnson movies or whatever, who who like lived there and kept yeah. stumbling onto the scene. I thought that yeah. was funny. And I thought it was going to go somewhere. And I loved that yeah. it didn't, that it was just a red herring and a funny one. I actually enjoyed that. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like as as we think it through, you know, maybe maybe it would be harder to cut people than I than I thought it would be. But uh, nevertheless, enjoyable movie, not transcendent. You know, didn't change anybody's life. It's but, forgettable. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's forgettable, but enjoyable. And I'll watch the next one when they drop it in a year and a half. What about um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Would you left him on the in the cast? What did he do? I don't. He I was don't the hourly dong. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> love yeah. that kind of little thing. I love well, that kind of little cameo. You know, under the radar thing. Dude, even that and like the the horribleness of like some of the art, like just on the grounds. Like once you find out that that Edward Norton's character is an idiot, you start seeing it everywhere. Yes, you know? yes, and uh, that that was really fun. And really the idea fun. that, and again, this is a spoiler alert. Uh, if you've somehow wound up here, still trying to skip um, mm -hmm. <laughs> the the fact that Blanc couldn't solve the case because right. he'd already said when someone asked him if he was good at Clue, he's like, "No, I'm very bad at dumb things." And like yeah, this yeah. was a dumb thing, and it made him so mad that he yeah. had come to this murder, and the murder wasn't complex. It was an yeah. idiot just trying to cover his right. tracks. That was brilliant. Yeah, it was. That was great, dude. I want to do a second on Blanc's wardrobe. I loved it. Oh, the swimming suit. 
Yep, the swimming suit. And like, if I had to like be dressed on a warm island, like that, everything that he brought on the trip, I would I would try to bring it. It was uh, it was amazing. Yeah, like the way he used like ascots and on the wrong person, it would have seemed like too fay by half. But on him, it was perfect. I don't know. He pulled it off. Ted, can I ask you something gay? Yeah. Um, would you have removed Hugh Grant? That was a brief cameo, which yeah. stirred up like, oh, my goodness, what is Benoit Blanc's sexuality? Oh, it seems yeah. we've revealed it. And I thought, man, if this movie came out 20 years ago mm-hmm. and they showed this this guy who was eccentric sitting in the tub, yeah. you know, for days on end, and mm-hmm. then Hugh Grant answered the door, I'd be like, oh, he has, he's a bachelor with a funny roommate. And yeah. I, I would not have even it would never cross my mind. Now I'm like, oh, what are they trying to say? And what, you know, what, what, dude, yes. So. I felt in that moment, like you did, they're trying so hard to get me to think about Benoit Blanc's sexuality that I'm going to like rebelliously not think about it. Yes, and I, like, exactly. I tried to put it into like my mind vice and crush it immediately, crush that thought. <laughs> Your and, mind uh, vice. <laughs> and I think I did successfully. Like, I just don't want to think about it. Like, I don't, I don't want to have like 30 seconds of inner like conflictedness vis-a-vis Benoit Blanc's sexuality. So well, or um, even acknowledge that he has any because yeah. that's not the point of that character it's and that's not, the not that of kind character. of character. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's let's do a second on that. Like it's so charming to me to have a character who isn't always trying to trade on his sexuality. Yes. You know what I mean? He's he's not trying to lay like every woman in every scene, you know, and I, I think it's actually truer to life in that for a variety of reasons, like for you and me, it's being married for other people. It's other reasons. Like not everybody is walking around trying to get laid all the time, you know? And like, right. um, That's very rare actually. Yes, exactly. And to have that not be the focal point of the movie is fine and even good. And yeah, the the fact that they introduced it for even a second, it was like, uh, and invariably like two to three movies down the road, they will fully reveal that Benoit Blanc is gay. And we'll get like, yeah. And and, and, and then I'm out because now what you've done is you've taken a charming little thing and you've turned it into a vehicle for your agenda. And again, whether it's a Christian movie doing that or, you know, the, the uh, next attempted right wing comedy or something, I don't, I don't want that. Uh, One one thing that, that occurred to me is that if he is a modern day Sherlock Holmes, yeah. Um, Sherlock Holmes almost never has an uh, attraction to anyone and mm-hmm. he doesn't, he want he has a roommate. So, you know, that's yeah. a, a, you know, kind of an analog for this yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. idea. Maybe Hugh Grant is just his Watson, the guy who keeps him from kind of spiraling out all the time. And yeah. basically his, his, the, what would be romantic or sexual interest is just the love for solving crimes <laughs> and gathering facts. I think so. I think so. And I, dude, I would be up for more Hugh Grant in the next movie. I love like, Hugh Grant. They, yeah, I do too. If they wanted to do more with that whole thing, I'd be, I'd be, you know, a fan of it. Dude, I love third act Lou Grant. Have you watched? You haven't because you don't like him. But there are some Guy Ritchie movies that have Hugh Grant that are spectacular. Yeah. Uh, the Gentleman comes to mind. Uh, he he yeah. is so different from what he was like in the nineties. In the, uh-huh. like, caught in the back of the limo stage of his career. And he's yeah, so much yeah. more interesting now. Yeah. Dude, what's your what's your all-time favorite Hugh Grant movie? Gosh. You know, it's going to be a corny one, and I'm a little embarrassed. No, no, what is it? 
I think it's called, there's so many movies with such similar titles that are such similar movies yeah, yeah. in the 90s. I think it's called Two Weeks Notice. It's one with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? And Sandra yeah, Bullock. Yeah, He's yeah, her yeah. boss. And yeah, I, I really like that. I thought it was a fun movie. Dude, that type of movie, he just murdered it in the 90s. Yeah. Like he was, he was Mr. That Type of Movie. <laughs> Mr. That Type of Movie. Dude, my favorite Hugh Grant is another 90s rom-com which again, like if you're if you're just glancing at the like the DVD box, you would think it was that kind of movie, but it's actually to me a couple layers deeper. It's a movie called Notting Hill. Oh yeah, yeah, um, it's a good movie. I love Notting Hill, dude. We we watch it at least once a year, and we always enjoy it. Um, yeah, great movie. So one other thing I thought was hilarious uh, that I learned about <laughs> the the Knives Out series, uh, which yeah. by the way. Uh, the director did not want to call it Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, um, which mm. was corny and dumb. Um, yeah, I yeah. love, I love, by the way, that they put it in the theater, basically just to like stir up interest for the <laughs> release on streaming. It yeah. seems so weird yeah. and backwards. Uh, yeah, but totally. <laughs> he, he played with the idea and seriously considered having Benoit Blanc have a completely different accent in all three movies without acknowledging <laughs> it. <laughs> I wish they oh, had done funny. that. I, I wish they had done that. That would be really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've got another Benoit Blanc thing. Uh, two things, actually. The balcony of his apartment. Amazing. Like, you only get, you get like 35 seconds of it in the movie, but it's so good. I, I would watch a, I would watch like a 90-minute documentary about Benoit Blanc's apartment. I want to see oh, everything. Yeah. I want to see every room. I want to see where he keeps his cigars. He had that nice yes. little like desk humidor out on the, you know, out, out on the veranda there. Um, great cigar movie, dude. I feel like we oh, got yeah. a lot of good cigar smoking. This in, is a uh, smoke-free garden. This is a yeah. smoke-free garden. <laughs> that was great. And when the when the whole thing blows up the in the end against spoilers, like and he's he's out on the beach smoking a stogue. He doesn't that care. Like, yeah. Dude, have we ever smoked a stogue on a on a beach together? Yeah, in Israel. That's I mean, not right, on dude. the beach, on the beach, but like yeah, in like the kibbutz beach with the beach yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah, like you could hear the beach from where we were. Yeah. That Ted, sure. I'm gonna say that was one of my favorite. That's a favorite memory, and this is going to sound a little bit kind of yeah, yeah. treacly. And, and, no, it's okay. You know, we've it. both been getting weirdly nostalgic lately, especially for gut yeah, check yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, which is weird. It's something you usually do at the end of something, not at the exciting new rebirth. But yeah. uh, one of my favorite uh, times of, of like recording and having a cigars was you, me, Cliff Graham, Johnny Shex, KK. There might have been yeah. a couple other people there, all crammed out onto a balcony of a kibbutz. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think with uh, probably on the Sea of, of Tiberias, right? Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, on, on the Sea of Galilee with the, the city of Tiberias across. And yep. That, yep. No one calls it the Sea of Tiberias anymore. That's that's a little right. outdated. But uh, we we laughed so hard and had so much fun there. Um, yeah. And then followed very closely by uh, In the Roos. Like I have a oh, video, man. like 90 seconds of us recording <laughs> a podcast out there. And Frazier was there. Uh, oh, man. Panathic heartthrob. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Frazier and his wife. And, Super hot dude. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Claire, who just got married, by the way. Uh, no way. And a few other people from, we're, we're all gathered, and we were laughing and, and having a blast. Um, yeah, I watched I, I watched that video, and I always think, crap, we should have just, uh, I should have bit the, the bullet and <laughs> carted my kid off to somebody else and brought my wife yeah. it would have been a, oh, a better trip dude we just gotta go again we gotta go we gotta again. go again and uh we'll we'll bring we'll bring aaron along this time and um i would love it dude that was that was such a blast okay so um, if you were skipping through all the knives out stuff you can start listening again now for for the yeah. very ending of the show 
Do you have another thing? No. I just figured you'd say that we've done what we always do. <laughs> they can listen <laughs> yeah, to that part. That's not yeah, a you, you did. You did set me up perfectly for that, didn't you? And then I made it weird. Um, <laughs> baby, we've, uh, <laughs> we've done what we always do on this program. And we've gone 38 minutes. And because we're radio pros, we've got some Patreon content to crank out here momentarily. And we will see you. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Hey, phone at your best friend's wedding. Call me in the middle of the night. Said, baby, we know where this is heading. Let's make a run for it and get lost.